The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Well, guys, welcome to church. Uh, like Luke said, my name is Shane, and I do have the privilege this morning of wrapping up, of finishing our series in Exodus. We have been in this book now for 14 weeks. We've covered 40 chapters of this book, and we have seen story after story of God's faithfulness to his people. I remember 14 weeks ago, we started as God heard the cries of his people, and then he came down and drawed near. He said, I remember my covenant with you. And then we saw as he called Moses from the burning bush and said, hey, Moses, I want you to go and rescue my people from slavery. And then we witnessed God's power and might as he performed these plagues over Egypt in order that Pharaoh would let his people go. And as Israel are rescued from slavery, they're taken into the desert and they became this grumbling, complaining people. And yet again, we saw God's graciousness and his mercy to them. And he became the God who provided for them, the God who provided all they needed And then God gives him the law. We saw a few weeks ago as God gives him this law, the Ten Commandments, that is meant to lead them into life, not to restrict or restrain them, but point them down the way that they are to walk where there is life and life abundant. And then we saw as God gives him these instructions to build this tabernacle where God would come and dwell with his people. And yet right after that, we saw as they rebelled again, they rejected God's commands and they started worshiping this golden calf, right? And then last week, we saw how Moses becomes this mediator between God and his people and reminds God of his covenant. And then once again, God's grace and his mercy to say, yes, I remember my covenant with you. I will go with you. And this has been the story of Exodus so far. I don't know why we needed 14 weeks. I just did it in 60 seconds. But anyway, we're going to wrap this thing up today. We're going to look at the last six chapters of Exodus, how this book ends. Before we do that, I'm actually going to pray again because I need the Lord to to move this morning to speak through me. So will you pray with me? Lord, we are reliant on you every day that your spirit would move in us. And I just pray right now all the more that you would speak through me by your spirit, that our hearts would be transformed, that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word this morning, but we would be doers of your word also. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Like Luke said, I wasn't meant to be preaching this morning. Sam Wright, this amazing preacher down from Coomer Baptist, was meant to be here, but struck down by COVID. Not really struck down, he's in isolation, but... I've had to step in, but the good news for me is these last six chapters are pretty much word for word verbatim identical to my last sermon I preached on Exodus in the instructions of how to build the tabernacle. So from 25 to 31, if you remember that sermon, this was all these instructions on how to build this tabernacle. And now from 35 to 40, they're actually building the tabernacle. So I thought, I'm just going to preach the same sermon, right? We good with that? No, I wouldn't do that. But when people think through Exodus, they need to wrestle with how to preach these last six chapters. Because like I said, they are are almost word for word verbatim of what we read from 25 to 31. These instructions on how to build this tabernacle, what goes in it. It's like God was saying to Moses, hey, this is how I want you to build the tabernacle. And we read these chapters and it's saying, this is how they build the tabernacle. And so what do we do with these last six chapters? How do we preach them? Well, pastors and preachers normally do one or two things. They'll either, when they preach chapters 25 to 31, they will preach the same time chapters 35 to 40. And they'll kind of flick back and forward, be like, yeah, see, God said this, and then they actually did this. 
Or what they'll do is number two, and this is probably the most common, is when they preach 25 to 31, they'll talk about what goes into the tabernacle. They'll preach it, what, what the lampstand means, what the ark means, the mercy seat. And then when they get to this chapter, they'll preach the main theme of the tabernacle, that God desires to dwell with his people, right? And I chose to do both of those in my first sermon because I thought Sam Wright's going to preach this one. It's going to be sweet. He can figure out what to do. And yet here we are uh, preaching this same sermon. So I'm not going to cover these six chapters going through the detail of how to build the tabernacle. What we need to see is they obeyed God and they built the tabernacle exactly how it was meant to be built. So I want to look at the last six verses of Exodus. Chapter 40, verses 33 to 38, it says this, And he erected the court and the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle throughout all their journeys. Whenever the cloud was taken up from over the covenant, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire was in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So what we read here in these last six verses is that Israel's at Moses obeyed God's command to build the tabernacle. They finally succumbed to God's commandment to build this tabernacle. We read a few weeks ago, they kind of rejected his first command. They built themselves something instead, this golden calf, and that didn't end well. But here we see them build the tabernacle. They walked in obedience. And what I think we see through these verses, and what I think we see through the whole story of Exodus, is that in obedience through faith, it leads to life. That obedience grounded and rooted in faith in a God who is able, in a good God worth following, leads to life. This is the story of Exodus. We heard a few weeks ago as Kylam spoke about the laws and the commandments given to Israel. They weren't meant to restrict them or restrain them. They were meant to point to life. They were meant to show these now free people how to live free. As they walked God's way, they experienced this life and life abundance that Jesus and God offers us every commandment in the Bible. Every do this and don't do that is inviting us in, is ushering us in to experience life and life to the full. And I don't mean life as in death to life because Jesus is already taken. If you're a Christian here this morning, you have been taken from death and given life. You've been taken from the slavery of sin and now you're now alive in Christ. That has been done. What I'm talking about here is the abundance of life that we can get as we walk God's way, as we live God's way. Through obedience grounded, rooted in faith, it leads to life. And this is what's happening here. We see this as they finally obey God. What do they get? Presence and glory. God's promise to his people. And I love as we read this, it says, So Moses finished the work, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. What we, what we don't get here, and I don't always like doing this, but in the Hebrew, the word then isn't, isn't actually there. It doesn't exist. 
And so it's meant to resemble this like eager anticipation from God to do what he's gonna say he's gonna do, right? And so it should read like this. So Moses finished the work, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. This picture of God just watching over. Yep, yep, that's exactly where I told him to put the ark. That's great. Yep, oh yep, that's where I said put the lampstand. Yep, yep, now put the tree. Boom! Glory, presence in the tabernacle. God was so eager to dwell with his people. He couldn't wait for them to finish the tabernacle so he could be with his people in their midst. And you know, God desires to be with you. This is what the story of Exodus is about, God with us, the story of the Bible, God's desire to walk amongst his people. I remember um, a few weeks ago preaching the tabernacle and we looked at, how much God has done so that we, could be with, that we could be with him and he could be with us. All the things the tabernacle represented just so he could be in our midst. When Israel did things their own way, what did they get? This golden inanimate object. When they did it God's way, they got the king of kings, the most high's presence and glory in their midst. As we walk in obedience, grounded in faith, we will experience life and life abundant. We've seen this all throughout Exodus. As God calls Moses from the burning bush to come, he was a guy who was a runaway shepherd. He had no people. And yet as God calls him, shows him what to do, he becomes the shepherd over Israel, the leader of God's people. As Moses walked in obedience, he experienced life. And what did we see when Pharaoh disobeyed God's commands to let his people go? We saw death and destruction. And yet even in that same story, we witnessed God offer life and salvation for those Israelites who obeyed his command to put the blood of the lamb above the door. This is the story of Exodus. And I'm not saying that we can earn God's blessing. I'm not saying that if you're obedient, you're gonna get something because God doesn't want our begrudging submission. He doesn't need us to submit. He desires, he invites us in to be obedient to his ways. Why? Because his ways are greater than ours. His ways are higher than ours. And so as we walk in obedience, we will get joy. We will experience blessing. It won't all be easy, but we'll have God. And then I love what it says in verse 35. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Is it me or is Moses some glory-hungry man? Right? We, we heard a few weeks ago that after him pleading with God to go with his people into the promised land, he also says, by the way, can you just show me your glory? And we're like, man, that's, that's steep, Moses, asking God to do that. And yet here again, we read, as soon as the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, Moses is like, I'm going in there. And then he wasn't allowed, like he wasn't able to get in. But I love Moses' hunger for God's glory his hunger to see God's glory. Imagine if we were like that as a church. Imagine if we were like that in our workplace. We desired to see God glorified in all we did. What would this church look like? What would our workplace look like? What would our families look like if we desired above all to bring God glory in all that we did, to see God's glory in our own lives, to seek God's presence? It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Eat or drink, they're pretty mundane things, right? But that's the point. 
Why to do all things to the glory of God, the mundane things, the, the extravagant things, whatever we do to God's glory. So imagine being at work on Monday. You're already tired, you're already praying for Friday, you can't wait to get out of there, and that you remember, actually, no, I have the Spirit of God within me. He has purposed me and placed me here for a reason. How might I bring Him glory in this moment? Maybe you're coming home after that hard day of work and you're walking into a house. Maybe it's crazy, you don't know what's going on. And you're in one of those moods. Guys, you know what I mean? Just one of those moods and you don't want to. You see, you walk in and maybe your wife, your husband, your kids, everything's going crazy, I don't know. And you're just like, I can't do this right now. But then you stop and you go, no, God's called me to love my family, to love my kids, to serve them. I have God with me. How might I glorify him in this moment? Man, what would our life look like? if we did everything to the glory of God. All that we did was for his glory, to see his glory, that others might see God's glory in us as little tabernacles. Moses was so hungry for God's glory, but he was also hungry for his presence. We read in 36 all the way to the end, throughout all their journey, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out to the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire was in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journey. From this moment on, God dwelt with him in the tabernacle. And when God moved, Israel moved. And when God didn't move, Israel didn't move. Why? Because they'd finally learned, they'd finally realized that what they need most in this life is actually God's presence and God's glory amongst them. So when God would go, they would go. And when God would stay, they would stay, even if they didn't like their surroundings. I want to be someone who follows Jesus all the days of my life. That's led by his spirit, empowered by his spirit within me. I want to be someone that does all things for God's glory. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life, not just the Savior of my life, the Lord of my life. Why? Because he is worthy. Because he's the only one that can run my life. I can't. I'm not good at it. I've tried. But he is. He is worthy. As we read Exodus, do you know what we have never seen? God fail his people. You know what we have seen? Salvation, redemption, rescue, restoration. God faithful to his promises. And he is worthy above all. And as we walk in obedience to him, we will experience this life. From the moment that God dwelt with his people, they were never the same. They were never the same again. As they moved, they had God with them. See, without without God's presence and glory, they were just a bunch of people in a tent having a barbecue, right? And the same can be said with us. Without God in our midst, without God with us this morning, we're a bunch of people on a school basketball court chanting some songs. Right? That's weird. But with the presence of God, we are the body of Christ. We are the church of God on mission in this world. As we heard last week, Moses pleading with God, hey, we are only distinct because we have your presence. Without your presence, we are nothing. We are like every other nation. This is our reality. We have the living God with us. That means everything changes. Everything changes. The book of Exodus ends with this great hope. 
that God is faithful to his promises, that God dwells with his people. As we look at where Israel were, they were in slavery building something for Pharaoh that they didn't want to build. And then right at the end, they finished building a home for their God who would dwell with them. There was slavery and death and darkness in the beginning, and now there was life and salvation and rescue. And what had changed? Because Israel didn't. God in their midst. That's what had changed. God was now with his people. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Do you feel like that? Do you know that that's true? You are God's special possession? That you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. As Christians here this morning, we have this privilege to proclaim this good news of a God who has called us out of darkness into a wonderful light, who has called us out of slavery into freedom in Christ, and who has called us from death into life. Man, what an opportunity we have to proclaim that message, that good news, because that's a reality for me and you here this morning. This is what we have been saved into. And then there's the future hope that one day we will stand face to face with Jesus in all his glory and know that he is good. As we're with him in eternity, singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain. What Moses so desired to see, one day we will all stand in his presence. Psalm 97 was written about this future hope as Jesus comes again, and this is what it says. The Lord reigns, let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness cover him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. Before the Lord, all the earth, the heavens proclaim his righteousness and all people see his glory. All people will see his glory. Man, what a picture. One day we'll all stand in the presence and glory of our King saying, worthy is he, the lamb who was slain. Like what a picture of a future hope we have because of what Christ has done for us through his life, death and resurrection. So we know that this is our future, where all people will one day see his glory. But how does this change how we live now? This is the tension that we live in, that we know that one day all people will see his glory, that we will be with him forever, unfiltered presence of God. Like how amazing is that? But we don't have that just yet. And so one of the things I think happens especially as we look at this book of Exodus, it gives us a godly perspective, a heavenly perspective on life. As we look around at our situations, at the disaster in the world, we can say, this isn't all it is, that there is more. When we see the suffering and the pain in this world, we can say that it is not pointless. And when we're faced with death, we know death is not the end. 
if we have this heavenly perspective, no matter what this world throws at us, we can say it doesn't matter because why? We are citizens of heaven and that one day we'll be in the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18 says this, For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We are a freed people that have heavenly perspectives because we know how this ends. Jesus on the throne. And so now we live in this tension of the now and not yet. We're free to love, we're free to serve, we're free to lay our lives down for those around us. Because we know we're citizens of heaven. This isn't our home. We're still wandering the wilderness, waiting for that promised land. So if you're a Christian here this morning, my question is, do you desire to be in God's presence? Because if you don't, you're probably not gonna like heaven. Eternity in the presence of God. Like eternity is a long time. And heaven is spoken about as ever-increasing joy, right? I love that picture, ever-increasing joy. Imagine 10,000 years and going, this is just getting better and better every day. Like how good is God as we stand in his presence, unfiltered glory. Like, wow, God is amazing. Do you desire to be in the presence of God? Do you desire to come to our church's prayer and worship nights to sing praises to the one who is worthy? To pray to him, to petition to him, to move in your lives that you might see his glory. God is with us. He desires to dwell in our midst. and We need to be a people hungry for his glory, to see his glory in this world, in this nation that others might taste and see that the Lord is good, that he is good. And this is the story of Exodus. And as the band come up, I just want to look at the last thing. If you know the story of Moses, you know that he doesn't actually get into the promised land. Right? He stands on the edge of the mountain looking at God's promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of this promised land. And God says to him, hey, mate, you, you know you're not going in. And we got to ask why, like what happened? Because Moses is this faithful man. Hebrew talks to him as this man of exemplary faith. He just led Egypt, Israel out of slavery in Egypt through the desert for 40 years. So what happened? Why doesn't he get in? Well, we read in Numbers that God asked him to go over to this rock, speak to this rock, and water was going to come out. And yet Moses, out of anger and bitterness, he went over and smashed the rock twice with his staff. And water comes out still, like God said it would. But yet God said in that moment, hey, that's not what I said. That's not what I commanded you to do. I told you to speak to it. And so he says, Moses, you're not going to taste the promised land. You'll see it, but you won't enter. Imagine Moses in that moment, like his whole life has been to get to this point to lead God's people to this place. And yet God says, you're not going in. How would he have been feeling? And then if you read his response, Moses is like, yeah, that's sweet. He doesn't argue, doesn't fight back. 
And then he continues for years and years and years to faithfully walk with God, leading God's people to the promised land. Like what a man. His disobedience, many missed out on life in the promised land. But maybe, just maybe Moses had a heavenly perspective. That it didn't matter that he was not getting into the promised land because there was something beyond the promised land, something greater than the promised land, something bigger. That maybe, just maybe, eternity was greater. And then we jump forward to the Gospel of Matthew. And I love this story. As Jesus takes three of his disciples, Peter, John, and James, up to this mountain, we read this. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to, the, to Jesus, Lord, if it is good, we are here. If you wish, I'll make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Who was there on the mountain with Jesus as he transfigured? Mo- Moses was there. Moses was standing there in all of God's glory. As Jesus' face shone brighter than the sun, the glory of God in Christ in that moment, Moses, where was Moses? Not hiding behind a rock anymore. Standing with God in all of his glory. Man, what Moses sought for his whole life, he finally got in eternity, the presence and glory of God in his midst. This is what the kingdom is like. A bunch of people not worthy, sinful rebellion, being welcomed in by a gracious God. That no matter our past, we will one day stand in eternity in the glory of God because of what Christ has done for us. Because we have faith in a God who is able, a God who is with us, a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. Man, I cannot wait for eternity to celebrate the goodness of Christ in this church, in this country, in the world, and just see who was there. Like, man, I didn't, didn't expect you to be here, but praise to Jesus. Like, how cool is this? And then as I finish, I just, I love Peter here. Like, Peter's just being Peter. Like, yeah, sweet Jesus, it's good for us to be here, man. Do you need me to make any tents for you guys? Little, little tabernacles for you guys? Because Peter still didn't get it. He knew Exodus. He'd been walking with Jesus, but he still didn't realize that Jesus is the true tabernacle. There was no need for a tent anymore. That in Christ, the fullness of God dwelt. His glory and presence. And now for us as Christians, we have that through the spirit of Christ in us. Guys, this is the story of Exodus. Let me pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Center Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others. But please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.